This is Kate Beckinsale. You're listening to Bacon Sale. Hey guys, was it, whose turn was it to do the intro? It's your turn. Too. It's my turn to do the it's intro? It's not my turn. It's not Joel's turn. It's oh, your turn. That must be right. You didn't order this. Oh, yeah. you know what? It is my turn. Live from the Bacon Cave, it's Monday morning. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I want to play saxophone right now. Yeah. <laughs> I think I peaked out there. No sex. No sex? No sex. <laughs> That sounds like Welcome you have an abnormal growth. <laughs> Welcome to Big Cell. I'm Joel. I'm Kent. And Jacob, the guy not with nose sacks. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I would like to thank you for listening to our last show, our fall movie preview, our end of year movie preview, end of 2019 movie. It, it was a really fun show. A lot of fun. A lot of fun movies were brought up, and a lot of weird movies were brought up, and a lot of strange boom boom jokes and trailers. Yeah, yeah I'm surprised. Boom, 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 Arctic jokes. Dogs got as much attention as it did. I finally saw the John Cena firefighter one. Did you? And it made me sad. Yeah, a little bit. Like yeah. you cried a little bit. Yeah. I mean, not like he's above that. But still, seeing no, that not. on a big screen made yeah. me really You don't sad. think he's going to rise to the rock level? Because The Rock was doing movies like that for a while. He was. He in did. fact, he's going to be in Fast and Furious 9. John Cena is. Really? It just He's it really moving up Remember in the world. Remember when Vin Diesel did uh, The Pacifier? Yeah. Or the French version? The Pacifier. But I actually had a comment here from Christopher Sternolio saying, why didn't any of you mention A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood? Oh, okay. Because that was one that's coming out. Yeah. And it's starring Tom Hanks as Mr. Rogers. Oh, yeah. I forgot. And we didn't talk about it at all, even though we gave so much love to... Won't uh, You Be My Neighbor. Yeah, Won't You Be My Neighbor in mm-hmm. documentaries, and then also uh, just Mr. Rogers in general on our educational show. Absolutely. So, Ken, why didn't you bring up A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood? Tom Hanks. I'm why really you, sorry to say it's Tom Hanks. Why do you hate Tom Hanks? I Because he's playing everybody. He's just playing everyone. Who is he playing besides Mr. Rogers? Walt Disney. Oh, that was like three years ago. Colin Hanks. I think he's going to play his son at some point. <laughs> Colin Hanks is his son. <laughs> no, Tom Hanks is going to play his own son in the Colin Hanks story. I like that. Yeah. But it's an isolated part of Mr. Rogers life. And I appreciate that because how else do you do a Mr. Rogers movie except for just make him really happy all the time? There's yeah. really no drama there. But it's Tom Hanks, and he wasn't convincing as Walt Disney, and I don't really see him other than looks being convincing here, even though he's a good actor. That's kind of what I said. I actually, I replied to Christopher, and I said, uh, I love the documentary, Won't You Be My Neighbor? I think the world of Fred Rogers. I just can't see Tom Hanks as Mr. Rogers. When I saw him in the trailer, I was like, oh, it's Tom Hanks. He's not, he's not even trying to do an impersonation. Yeah. But I, I understand people could be excited for it, because Mr., Mr. Rogers is a nice guy. Tom Hanks is a nice guy. Yeah. Sure, this could work. But it wasn't one that it's it's a middle of the road one. I don't want it to fail. In fact, I want it to do good. But I don't. I'm not anticipating it. Yeah, he was also, sorry, Christopher. He was also Sully. Oh, yeah, he was Sully. Yeah, oh, in that Sully movie was really the guy in I, thought, I think with the monster. I think with yeah, the monster. Me too. I uh, love it, Jim. Love it. Yeah, yeah. Jim. Lo- Jim. Lovell. Lovell. Thank you. Yeah, it wasn't quite right. But in what? Apollo 13. Oh, yeah. And then Catch Me If You Can. That was based on a true story as well. Yeah, but was he based on a real character or an amalgamation of a bunch of other characters? Mm-hmm. Charlie Wilson. Save it for our Tom Hanks show, which we really should do. Should sometime. we? Yes. Yeah, I know. Yes, Probably, yeah. yeah. Uh, but that's not what we're talking about today. And we're not talking about anything else yet because we want to talk about Captain Phillips. Scary Date Night with Bacon <gasps> Sale. Yes. Kent, lightning, at lightning in post. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, in post. <laughs> Dang it. P- post what you said. <laughs> no. <laughs> so. That's not even close. That's, I didn't say a howl. <laughs> No, <laughs> he just. Why was there a cat? There's just ambiance. There's always a haunted now cat. Now do a witch sound. I just one. <laughs> this is in October, but squeaky are, door. <laughs> save it for our sound effects. Joel, you just keep talking. We're gonna throw in the sound effects here. Uh, so during the month of September, if you become a patron during the month of September, well, oh yeah. okay, a uh, ghost. 
Guys, I need to talk about the rules here. They need to hear this. So on October 1st, we will be doing a drawing on all the people who are patrons. If you are at patreon.com slash bacon you can sign up. And our patrons, they fueled this show. They help us create the content that we create and help keep us going and keep the lights on here in the Bacon Cave. Absolutely. We appreciate them and we love them. And if you are a patron on October for, on October 1st, we will do a drawing of all patrons, randomly choose and randomly choose one of them to come on Scary Date Night with Bacon Sale. But they can... Sound bring, effects. Oh, <laughs> I'm Todd. I'm a fox. I'm copper. I'm a hound dog. Oh, oh. I have no idea what's happening right now. <laughs> That's I where think, my mind I went. I think you're getting excited for October. Is what this I'm is. getting super excited. <laughs> I am but too. <laughs> we're hoping that you are. You can bring a date because you don't really want to go on a date with the no, three no, you of can us. Bring a, it's a plus. They can bring a plus one. Yeah, yeah, you have a plus one. We're still banging if we get to bring plus ones. But we are going to take you to a, a dinner and enjoy a, a meal before going to a haunted house, a spook alley. A, yeah. A uh, commercial location where people or, dra- actors dress up, or as we discuss, something else. If you want, if if that's not your thing, weak sauce. But it's our thing. Well, it could be an escape room, which we're cool with. Yeah, we're cool. We love. Or a corn maze, which Kent lives in. So I mean, it'll <laughs> I be do. yeah, it'll be easy. Yeah. But uh, so that's what's going on. And if you sign up this month to be a patron bacon cell or, or upgrade or upgrade from one tier to another, you get to torture Jacob, torture Jake. Torture Jake. Torture Jake. Ah, you don't want to do In that. In fact, listening. we already have one patron, one new patron. Yes, we do. Who, because they signed up, they get to torture Jake. And uh, and by torture Jake, he means you could also just find something really nice for me to eat. We didn't even say what it or was watch. yet, Jacob. I know. But I, they, I'm literally going to have them torture you. <laughs> um, no, you get to, if you sign up in the month of September, uh, then you get, or upgrade, then you get to suggest something weird for Jacob to eat or something weird for him to watch. Yeah, like a movie, basically. Probably yeah. not a TV series, but something that we can release. Now, they're saying yeah. weird, and you can go weird. I guess that would be fine, but That'd be fun. It, it can be anything that you want. But it's not torture unless you give him something weird. It should be a really so spicy Dave, uh, we have sauce. Dave I want it to be something you genuinely like, listener. Dave Stewart, he pledged Share to become it with me. a patron yeah, of Dave Bacon Stewart, Cell. Thank so you very welcome, much. Welcome, Dave. We appreciate David. I guess I should call you by your name here. David. Uh, David. David from 24. Uh-huh. But David Stewart, you get to pick something for Jacob to watch or Jacob to eat, and then he has to review it on a video on Patreon. I'll probably even mention it on the show, honestly. Yeah, you can do that. Not a well. full review, but I'll mention it. So if you want to join David and recommend and torture Jacob here, then join Patreon right now. It's patreon.com forward slash bacon cell. And yeah, then come support us. We need to yeah, We have different levels anyway. with different perks. You can actually get a lot of fun stuff by signing up. Yeah, we're saving up for a box fan. So <laughs> help us help us need it. Here. Yeah. It's been a hot, hot summer. And uh, we want Kent to start wearing shirts again. I'm sorry. So, I'm, I'm, I'm on a diet. I'm fine it's with gonna it. It's going to get better you soon. You look great. Yeah. Thanks. Just distract. That much hair really covers up the skin. doesn't it bother does. me at all. It does. Although I wish, <laughs> it, I wish it went below, <laughs> exactly, his, exactly. I wish it went below, below <laughs> his Adam's apple, though. That's the weird part about it. It's just like long. Okay. It's the essential oils. I'm sorry. <laughs> but that's not what we're talking about today. What are we talking about today, Jacob? You know, this show has been a long time coming. This is the final, uh, finally, the SNL show. Yeah. yeah, we talked about this one uh, in past At seasons. least two seasons ago. We know that. It's been on the list that we've always kind of been kicking down the road. Yeah. I, I think because we knew a show like this would take a lot of research. And so we put minimal research into this one. And <laughs> <laughs> No, it actually should be really fun. We're going to do a category show about uh, SNL. And we came up with so many categories. It is minimal. I only have eight pages of notes. Unreal. What you do. This one, honestly, I was looking at our categories and I thought we could do a sequel out of this if this oh, turns totally out well. Could. You you know, know? We have we, we came up with uh, 16 categories mm-hmm. that we'll be picking winners for. Kent and I both will. And we have on deck like 
22, 23 other ones that we didn't use. Yeah. That yeah. We could use for another show. And so they're good too. If we don't pick one of your favorite sketches or characters or actors, Bring don't it worry. Yeah, it could happen. It could happen later on. So don't get mad at us just because we didn't include your favorite. But there's so much to talk about. This is 44 seasons of history. It's weird that it was canceled three seasons ago, though. Like three years ago. Because <laughs> does anyone watch SNL anymore? Mm-hmm. I don't think Sometimes you. on YouTube. Uh-huh. It's actually funny. The highest rated season of SNL is actually the 1979 to 1980, the fifth season after really? the first major cast change, after Belushi and, and Dan Aykroyd left. The lowest rated seasons, uh, they're actually tied 2006, 2007. That's after Tina Fey uh, and Rachel Dratch left. Oh, Rachel Dratch, of course. Yeah. I'm like, who? Well, she, was, she was one of those faces you totally yeah. loved. And then uh, 2014, 2015, when Leslie Jones and Pete Javinson joined the cast, that was one of the lowest rated seasons. And then the 2016 and 2017 season, one of the most recent ones, it's, it's oh, one of the lowest. No. So they're not... Well, can you tell us a little bit about great. the history, like how it began? Yes, I can. <laughs> Please do. So if you don't know what Saturday Night Live is, for all of our international listener out there, <laughs> I like to think there's people... Hey, actually, there, there Trin- are some. We know. Trinidad and Tobago. That, there was a lot of surprise. There was a surprising amount of listens from Trinidad and Each Tobago. Each month, we get about 250 listens from Trinidad and Tobago. <laughs> hey, South, uh, South Korea listens quite a bit as well. Yeah? Yeah, they do. Much What's respect. Up What's up, yeah. Trinidad and Tobago? But if you don't know what it is... It's a, light, it's, it's a late night television variety also show. Israel. I mean, we've gotten a lot from there. Oh, that makes uh, sense. Created by Lorne Michaels <laughs> people. and developed by Dick Ebersol. And these are the two guys who kind of are the brains of Saturday Night Live. Lorne Michaels still with the show today, even yeah. though he left it for a bit. And if you don't, if you don't know what looks now. like, Dr. Evil. When Mike Myers did Dr. Evil, he was essentially doing a Lorne Michaels impersonation. I think I've heard something about that. How he talks. Did they get along? They did. And and Lorne Michaels actually thought it was pretty funny. But the show aired originally on October 11th, 1975 with George Carlin as the host. Uh, This was one of those shows that they needed to fill time because Johnny Carson, they used to just show Johnny Carson reruns on Saturday night. Mm. And then Johnny Carson said, save those. I want to air those when I go on vacation. So they had to fill the program with something. So they came up with this sketch comedy show. And the the Mm. joke was it's the not ready for primetime players. Yeah. Right? Like they had to be on Saturday night, late at night. Yeah. Right. These are all second city comedians, uh, generally Canadian as well. Mm. Some of them, yeah. 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 And yeah, they probably weren't big enough to be in movies or any sort of TV show, but this was like the, the and also the Groundlings. I think the Groundlings and Second City is where a lot of these people came yeah, from. Most, most Which makes the, sense because uh, it's the Star Maker show. And groundlings, yeah. a lot of them came from there. Uh, and then so... This one, like it, it came off with a hit, like right away it gained this cult following where mm-hmm. everyone was watching it in 1975. And then in 1980, uh, Michaels, Lorne Michaels was absolutely exhausted from doing the show the way they do it. And I'll get to the kind of how they do a show because it's insane. So he decided he wanted to go on vacation for a bit and they were unable to come to terms of his vacation. So he left the show and along with most of the cast and most of the writers. So they called the early 80s the Dark Ages yeah. of Saturday Night Live. And when, there, there hmm. may be, and by the way, if you're listening with kids right now, there may be, it's Saturday Night Live, so there's some sketchy comedy there. <laughs> yeah, sketchy, sketchy comedy. Ways. But a lot of the cast in 1980, they started to get really popular. And so when you become very popular really quick, you do drug drugs. use is involved. Yes. And so a lot of them were just on mm-hmm. drugs. Don't do drugs. Yeah, don't really do drugs. because 80s and 90s trouble too with that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but then it was just funny because like that, they had such a tumultuous time in the early 80s where they almost canceled the show. But then they brought Lorne Michaels back, and he was like, okay, I'm going to do this the way I want to do it. Nice. And they pulled in. They, they, they did unknown comedians to start. And then when they got the new director in there, the new creator, she brought, it, brought a bunch of kind of known comedians in, and people hated it. 
Lorne Michaels came in. He brought in known comedians as well. People hated it. So he trashed the show a second time in the 80s, in the early 80s, and like cleared out the entire cast and then brought in a bunch of unknowns again. And that's where it's been running strong since that time. When did Eddie Murphy join the cast? He joined during the Dark Ages, actually. Oh, he did? He was the one shining star that like made it through the cuts when they... And was he known cast. at the time, or is that no. what catapulted him? That was it. Yeah, that that was it. That's him. awesome. And he was like a producer. He took charge of the show. He got all sorts of credibility, as I recall. Well, what's amazing to me is you get people like uh, Phil Hartman and Dana Carvey, and even like you know Chevy Chase mm-hmm. and uh, Dan Aykroyd, and they were complete unknowns when they came on the show. No one knew who they were, mm-hmm. and they're household names now. Yeah. There have been 871 episodes since its debut. Uh, as of this, as of this show, that's more than supernatural, and they've slightly, had, <laughs> and they've had 151 cast members. Whoa! How many cast members do you think you can name, Ken? Out of 151, I could name 25. Yeah, probably. I think you'd do a little more than that. Probably. Yeah, maybe a little more. But I'd be like that one guy, uh, you know, in that one sketch. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the longest tenure, by the way, the the one who's been on there most. Do you want to take a guess? I I actually know. Jacob, you want to take a guess? Uh, I think I do know, but I can't think of his name. Describe him. Uh, white dude, boring nope, looking. You're right. It's Keenan Thompson. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, that's right. I had yeah. seen that. It was no. almost Daryl Hammond. Yeah, you were thinking of Daryl Hammond. Yeah, 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 yeah. White guy. You were thinking Daryl Hammond for sure. Yeah. But Keenan <laughs> Thompson has been there since 2003, and he's still oh, going. Wow. It's, it's crazy. crazy. The shortest tenure, tenure by the way, uh, Emily Prager, who was in zero episodes. <gasps> oh. She was in some dress rehearsals. Does that even count? She was in some dress rehearsals, and then there was the writer's strike. And she was actually featured in the credits as a featured player. And she'd been in kind of in a background uncredited in like five previous episodes, but she never actually performed as a featured player. Is this someone we know? No. No. But no. the second one, the one who only had one episode, was Laurie Metcalf. You guys know Laurie Metcalf? Oh, yeah. From Roseanne. Ah, I know from that Roseanne name. And yeah. from uh, Lady Bird. Yeah. And huh. Scream 2. You'd recognize her face if you okay. saw her. Okay. Yeah. She was uh, Roseanne Barr's sister in Roseanne. Aunt Becky. Saw that. Yeah. Okay. So, but she was on for one weekend update piece, and then she was part of the cast that got tossed out. So she only had one episode. So it's kind of funny to see the kind of the different range here. Yeah. They've got 65 primetime Emmy Awards, and they have had a lot of success in that time. Like, during that time, they've had their ups, they've had their downs, and it's been kind of interesting to see how it goes. Kent, do you want to know how much the cast was paid per episode in the first season? I'm going to say $300. You're lowballing. Okay. That's that's Hollywood. Yeah. Uh, $750 per episode. Each cast member? Yes. Wow. The second season, they got 2000 And the episode. amount of work they put in per week for oh, this yes. show is nuts. Like, oh, that yeah. is... We'll, we'll get into so that. Low. But uh, so the first episode, first season, they got 750. Second season, they got 2000 per episode. By season four, they were getting 4000 per episode. And then, and then movie deals at that point. Oh, yeah. They start doing that. Although they lock them into these crazy contracts. Like yeah. there was a time when they said, OK, you have to be here for at least three years. And then we get to we get to uh, offer you a sitcom and you can only refuse two of the sitcoms. The third one you have to take. What? And you have to be in the sitcom for three years. Jeez. Holy. So if you see a lot of these. That's like working at Jimmy John's. Yeah. It's kind of great. With the, with the, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, nothing's that our, crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nothing's crazy as that. Uh, by the way, in 2001, Will Ferrell became the highest paid cast member being paid uh, approximately 17,500 per episode. And that was from in, SNL or yes. based on endorsement. Deals that was that was SNL. Okay. And well, that he was, was pretty big at his peak. Yeah. Uh, Jacob, you did a wonderful impression of Don Pardo to start. Thank you. He was the announcer from uh, the beginning, basically, until he passed away. And then Daryl Hammond, actually, who was the second longest running on SNL, yep. took over for him. So he's still getting work. 
Uh, you guys will be happy to know that Dave Grohl is the most frequent musical guest performing on 11 it makes shows. Sense. He's like, guys, I'm just hanging out. Can, Can I, I just be on here? the show? Get punched in the face by Andy Samberg? Yeah, exactly. Let me guys just run this through you, though. Like, This is the production schedule for Yeah, Saturday I want to hear this. So I, I was in a sketch comedy troupe at BYU. Mm-hmm. I've heard bits of this, and it sounded insane. Yeah. So I'm excited for your research. So the way we would do it in, at Divine Comedy down at BYU was we would have three shows a semester, two different shows, and then a best of. Okay. We would Spaced meet, how far apart? A month. Okay. So we'd have about a month, a month to prepare a show, and we'd meet Tuesdays and Thursdays. So we'd be there twice a week, writing sketches, uh, pitching sketches, rehearsing sketches and then doing a show okay and it was difficult especially with the class load and work and everything it was hard to do girls what <laughs> significant others oh yeah it's yeah, yeah. <laughs> i thought you were just <laughs> i thought you just saw something out of the corner of your eye girls he <laughs> <laughs> just had beastie boys in his head <laughs> all i really want uh but this is actually how they do it at saturday night live where they put on during a season so they're not doing this year round but during a season this is how they work so normally they start on monday with a freeform pitch meeting so they just come in and pitch a bunch of scripts okay. and ideas, essentially. Tuesday is the, once they pick kind of the ones they want to work on, Tuesday is the only day dedicated to purely writing the scripts. So they have one day to write the idea that they came up with on Jeez. Monday. On Wednesday, they're read, the, the sketches that are now written are read aloud in a roundtable meeting in the writer's room. And they'll just kind of read it all together, see how it works. Lorne Michaels then, and there's some of the producers, will get together, discuss the layout of the show, discuss what work it did, and they'll put it up on a board in their office. And then the cast comes in and gets to see what shows made the cut and what shows didn't. On Thursday, they rework and rewrite, then refine the remaining sketches. On Friday, they start rehearsals. So keep in mind, this is Saturday Night Live. They're starting rehearsals the on day Friday. Before. Wow. And then on Saturday, they do a couple more rehearsals before a live, tape, a live audience uh, address rehearsal at 8 p.m., just before the live show. So I shouldn't be so harsh because in recent seasons that I've watched, it seems like the cast and the guest host have just literally been reading off cards. They literally look off the screen. Yeah. And like, I'm like, cards. are you even trying anymore? But since it was the day before that they actually practiced, I guess I kind of get it. Well, it's even crazier yeah. because after they do the live rehearsal, they'll be like, how long was that? That was over 90 minutes. Cut this one, change this, do that. And they'd make all these so changes. So there's one of the, the cast show. members or writers that's like, I've been, I've had this idea. I've pitched it every week and maybe it would yeah. get in like the 37th exactly. episode. Okay. Some people have been writing these sketches and they've almost got to air and then it gets cut for time. And it's just like, Ugh. okay. So yeah. It's, it's kind of crazy to me, by the way, how they're able to churn these out week after week after week. Because keep in mind, that's Saturday night they do it. Mm-hmm. They get Sunday for a break, the day of rest. Monday, they're back in the pitch room, yeah. pitching the next, the next sketches. It's insane. So there you go. There's a little bit of okay. background of how Saturday Night Live works. It's just tough because in the age of YouTube, it's going to go away. You think it, so? Yeah, I think it will go away. It is a tradition. It may become a YouTube channel. But like they're not ready for prime time, and now they're not even they can't even hold a candle to YouTube entertainers out there. Well, I don't the, know. I think they're going to be strong as ever, maybe more because there's more digestible content they can put on YouTube because all these skits are short. But here's but the they got to put Jacob. it out there, like primarily. But they so do. They, they they did they kind of went on this live. We're doing this all live, and it wasn't until I mean they did they did some pre taped sketches before, mm-hmm. but it wasn't until Andy Samberg came in and started doing digital shorts that they started going, hey, this is a fun thing to do, and these are easily digestible, easily shareable, yeah. and they can go viral. In fact, we'll talk about that later on. We get to Best Digital Short. Yep. But uh, it's just interesting to me, too, because I watched, I looked at the ratings, and I watched it in this steady decline, honestly. And I think to myself, how much longer before the studio says, just go exclususively online? You don't need to be on the they air. Just need, they just need funny people. That's all they need. 
And it comes and goes. Yeah, exactly. And people say that all the time. People be like, oh, Saturday Night Live isn't as funny as it used to be. And I'm like, which part of used to be? Because there are ups and downs. The, the yeah, the history. whole time. The it's whole time. whenever people started watching, that's what was special to them. And then there's a new cast and they say, I can't watch I don't this think anymore. Anyone watching during the Robert Downey Jr. season no. really thought of Did that. Did you watch some of those time. clips with him and Anthony and Michael Hall? Yes. Awful. It's terrible. Yeah. Yes, Robert Downey Jr. on the cast. Robert Downey yeah. Jr. was a cast member. I did not know that. Yeah. He, was, he was terrible. It's crazy. <laughs> Some of these cast members, I look at them and I'm like, why? Why were you on this show? It's kind of crazy to think about it. Yeah, like Billy Crystal is one of those that he got in there as a known comedian, and then he left almost immediately yeah. after that. And I'm like, why was Billy Crystal on Saturday Night Live? He I had know. so much other career stuff, but yeah, he had All some right. good sketches. Let's get started. We got Let's a lot get to of the categories. categories we do. Yes, please, please. All right, first category: favorite recurring character. I've talked a lot. You go for it. So explain what that is first. So recurring character, there's sketches that are very, very popular. They can tell ones that hit with the audience. And so they'll say, you know, they may be in the writing room and say, okay, it's been a while since we've done Target Lady. We need a Target Lady sketch. Yeah. Or another sister sketch. So this character shows up probably every three or showed up, I should say, every three months on Weekend Update. Oh, crap. And I is it the same one? We're going to pick the same one. Yeah. It's Stefan. 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 Yeah. Oh, so Stephon. he is shown to be a flamboyant New York scenester and is often wearing a tattoo printed shirt with his hair artistically colored and styled. It's Ed Hardy gaudy. It's like it's it just really this is horrible T-shirt. And yeah. so and it's funny that you chose the same one because there's so many great like 80s, 90s, 2000s there characters are. like the cheerleaders, for example. Yes. Right. It is a tacky and annoying as it is. You, you, they still keep coming back and it's great. But like what the, I, the Russian girl played by... Uh, Oh gosh, what's her Kate name? Kate McKinnon. Kate McKinnon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah like She's fantastic. That was a great recurring character. Well, yeah. in in my picks, this is kind of how I organized it. I wanted to span as big as I could. Okay, and so I tried to pick old ones and new ones. And Stefan was one of those characters. It almost immediately came to mind. So he, played yeah. by Bill Hader. Yeah, Bill Hader. He started in 2008, ended in 2013, but he's done a few specials since then. And then he's also hosted the show and been Stefan. And he's uh, he's mentioned, okay, he always says, this club has everything. <laughs> do you have an example? Yeah, I have so many. Do you have a couple I, I, examples? I have, I have, you do one, I'll do one. So black George Washington. I like how you want to cover your face like he does. Too. Yeah. <laughs> so he's talking about these clubs. Like he says, hey, some uh, tourists are coming to New York. Where should they go? Yeah. And he's like, oh, he'll be like, go to Unst. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he'll be like, it has black George Washington, Blingo, which is black Ringo, Gizblo, the coked up gremlin, Jupids, which are Jewish cupids, <laughs> <laughs> fat kids on slip and slides and black Irishmen. The fat Hawaiian guy nobody invited, and hobo cops, which are homeless robocops. I, know. I <laughs> yeah. love that one. Well, yeah. And I love like just the way he does it, because the same formula every time was like, New York's hottest club is wow. <laughs> <laughs> or like the kitty yeah. rar. Yeah. Oh yeah. But then like he'll say, This place has everything. Lights, psychos, Furbies, screaming babies and Mozart wigs, sunburn <laughs> drifters with soap sud beards. <laughs> and he goes off on this laundry list of things. And then inevitably, uh, what's Seth Myers? Seth Myers will be like, that doesn't sound like a very family friendly place. Can we get something a little more, you know, accessible? He'll be like, oh, yes. And then he'll say something even more yeah. ridiculous. And they'll be like human DVRs, human Roombas. <laughs> <laughs> and so the joke is, and we've talked about this on a previous show, Bill Hader would kind of have a plan and then they'd have cue cards for him. But the joke was he would know there's cue cards he hasn't read. So he'd read them for the first time on Weekend Update live. Yes. Yeah, so like right. uh, his buddy, John Mulaney, who uh, you've... He's comedian. A, he's a yeah. comedian. He's a great stand up. Uh, he actually hosted fairly recently, but it's him and, and uh, Bill Hader working together. And they were... Cracking each other up. John Mulaney would essentially do his best to make uh, Bill Hader laugh on And so screen. when he was laughing, covering his face, that was real. 
Like there's one where he said like uh, this club opened up in the two hours between when Farrah Fawcett and Michael Jackson died. And then he like looks, he honestly looks at the camera like, really? Like, did you just make me say that? And so like, it's just so funny. I actually belly laugh every time I see me Stefan too. skits because I know. Well, okay. And I think Bill Hader maybe plays up the laughter a little bit. Sure. Just a little yeah. bit. Well, but, he has to. But now. at the same time, some of those things are so random. It makes me laugh every time. Uh, yeah. So we agreed on the first one. Absolutely. There's funny. 44 years of recurring characters and we both picked Stefan. I know. We're sorry, audience. All right. Second category is the underrated cast member of all time. Who's your choice? I went a little more recent on this one as well. All right. Let's hear it. I chose Chris Kattan. That's wow. Not That's 20 years ago. No, well, but I mean, isn't that crazy? That's twenty years ago. But I mean, yeah, I, I was actually pay- well. I think it's because I, w- I had a couple ideas from the early, early seasons, like the seventies and eighties. Oh, okay. And then I decided to go with Chris Kattan because wasn't wasn't he wildly popular back then? Though, yeah, he was. I mean, but Chris Kattan did the head shake thing in Mango with Mango. Will Ferrell, though, because like Will Ferrell is he was kind of like was like a little a, puppy to Will Ferrell. Like let's see, yeah. Chris Kattan was always like paired Which up sense, with he was other so people, short. like Jimmy Fallon or Will Ferrell, things mm-hmm. like that, where they were kind of the the stars of the. Thing. Why was Jimmy Fallon ever a star in that show? <laughs> he, was, he could never hold. It together. No, he never that's did. That's why it was funny. But yeah, yeah that's, he, that's he kind of had break. like this adorable quality to him because it's like, oh, look at that cute kid. He can't do this job. <laughs> that's what we love. We love people that can't do. <laughs> Let's their give job him the correctly. Tonight Show. But you're right. Chris Kattan was so dedicated to the craft. Well, that's just it. So like when he would get these roles, he would throw himself into the roles. He would. He would. <laughs> He was insane, essentially. And like you get these characters like Mango, which yeah. I thought was absolutely hilarious, where he was this flamboyant. Stupid, but so funny. Garth Brooks was in love so with dumb. him. Yeah. And then he had Mr. Peepers, which I was like, I thought he was going to kill himself sometimes because he's like hanging off people upside down, going to fall on his head. And one of my favorite random ones, honestly, was uh, Antonio Banderas <laughs> when he had the, how do you say? Ah, yes. Show. And for some reason... I just thought that his impressions were really funny. He did everything from Al Pacino to Alanis Morissette. Were they yeah. perfect? No. But he committed to the role. And he's not one that had a very su- successful career post-SNL. He had some terrible movies that he made. Yeah. His career didn't really go anywhere. He was on the middle for a while. Okay. As kind of a you know recurring character there. It seemed like he didn't really try, though, honestly. Well, he actually got in Just follow drugs. Will Ferrell, right? If it doesn't work, you uh, just keep making it. He kind of trashed his life in drugs. Oh, well, that he's admitted sense. that. That's too bad. Yes, but at the same time... He already kind of had a meth face. And so drugs oh, probably didn't no. help. Why <laughs> would you say like, that? Well, road rash meth face. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. you guys are terrible people. Yeah. All right, Ken, who do you say for underrated cast? Keenan Thompson. Oh, just because he's been on the show a really long time. Well, really long time, but every... He, What's this, up with that, Ken? Yeah, this, this is the guy from all that, from Good Burger. And when he joined the show, I was like, really? Keenan? Where's Kel? What's going on here? Yeah. Keenan without Kel? Ha! But he's been on for... Thir- so actually... He was on for 13 seasons mm-hmm. and then was finally nominated for an Emmy. Huh. And then actually he's been nominated three times, won once. He is a guy that's always been in the background, not even one of the featured players, right. but he's probably the most reliable guy on Super the cast reliable. right now. Yeah. I really enjoy like when he steps up and takes a main role, he does a great job. Like when he's Steve Harvey, for example. Yeah, Steve Harvey, Jeopardy, Whoopi Goldberg, which he hasn't been for a few years. Yep. So actually we talked about Bill Hader, but he, he actually said, I would point to Keenan Thompson as, as the performer that I would watch and hope to attain that kind of confidence and ease and fun when I was performing. Because Bill Hader actually has anxiety. He struggles yes, he performing in front of people, which is crazy because he does so well. Mm-hmm. But everyone on that cast looks looks up to Keenan Thompson like he's the glue, which there has been in almost every cast like the glue. Yes. He's seen as the new Phil Hartman because Phil Hartman was the glue back in that 90 to 95 era. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I, I can't get enough of Keenan Thompson. It's weird, but he's won me over. And he says SNL is his forever plan. 
So if they, if they get canceled, wow. he'll be brokenhearted. Yeah, but at the same time, man, if you got a job that pays you and you enjoy it, keep yeah. doing it. Absolutely. Like, but that's I hope he's still enjoying it because after is. that long. Yeah. All right, next category is the best fake commercial. Also, we hope you're playing along at home. They make a lot of these. In fact, this is one of my favorite things that SNL does. There's a Wikipedia page that lists every single SNL commercial. It's crazy how many there are. I struggled the most with this category, actually, because there are so many great ones. There are. There really I don't even are. want to name my honorable mentions because Joel may, may name one of them. But this one aired in uh, fe- February of 1991. Whoa. Crap. It's happy. It's fun. Oh, okay, good. It's happy fun ball. Yes, it's Happy Fun Ball, the toy sensation that's sweeping the nation. Only fourteen ninety five at participating stores. Get one today. And then it continues to go on. And Jake, you may have not have seen this, and I'm not yeah, going to do the joke justice. One, yeah. Phil Hartman jumps and he says, warning, pregnant woman, the elderly, and children under 10 should avoid prolonged exposure <laughs> yeah. to Happy Fun Ball. Caution, Happy Fun Ball may suddenly accelerate to dangerous speeds. A Happy Fun Ball contains a liquid core, which, if exposed due to rupture, should not be touched, inhaled, or looked at. <laughs> do not use Happy Fun Ball on concrete. And it goes on for about three <laughs> yeah, minutes. I do kind of remember that, it actually. It says, do not taunt Happy Fun Ball. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those random commercials where, it, I mean, it, obviously the, the joke is, and one of the worst things you can do to humor, by the way, is explain it. And yeah, I which is what we're doing listener. here. But one of the, they're playing on the joke of those disclaimers that, like, wait, that sounds a lot worse than they made it out to be in the commercial. Yeah. And I love that they apply. It mostly happens with medical commercials, but I love that they apply and, that. And to that's Happy exactly how they play it here. Because like you have Dana Carvey and the gang like, hey, it's so much fun. And then you hear once again, if Happy Fun Ball begins to smoke, get away immediately. Seek shelter and cover head. <laughs> and it just continues to do that. And I saw this, I think, when I was 12. Or I don't know, I was 10, 1991. And I, I, I watched. I loved it. I actually had a VHS with this on it. And it was just commercials from that era. And I watch it over and over again. But yeah. Happy Fun Ball is my favorite fake commercial. Yeah. That's a I, good choice. I had a hard time with this one, too, because there's so many that I remember and that I enjoyed. And in the end, I kind of went, it's not really a cheat because it is a commercial, but it's also a sketch about commercials. It's Schiller Vision's Hidden Camera Commercials. This is the one where uh, the Swedish host is saying, hey, you know those commercials where they say, uh, hey, did you find out that you're not drink, you're actually drinking decaf and not regular? <laughs> and then the people are like, oh, that's amazing. And he's like, this actually took so many takes to get. Let me show you what really happened. And it's Chris Farley. And someone walks up to him and says, sir, do you realize that you are not drinking regular coffee, but Colombian decaffeinated coffee crystals? And he goes, what? <laughs> and then he repeats it. You've been drinking decaf regular, uh, decaffeinated coffee crystals? And he's like... And he starts getting so mad. He's like, you lied to me. And all of a sudden he starts like knocking over the table and like shoving people around. And like the restaurant is trying to stop him. And he's like punching people in the face. Yeah. And it's <laughs> he eventually like gets slammed on the head multiple times with a frying pan as his crying wife is like, why, why? <laughs> but the idea is so simple because those commercials, those hidden camera commercials were really popular at the yeah. time and still are popular today where it's like, oh, hey, we, we, we faked you out with this uh, real, DiGiorno pizza instead of delivery or whatever. Yeah. And it's like, what if someone really wasn't happy with the result or with what you did to them, that you lied to them? So we went with that era and not like mom jeans, for example. Mom jeans is hilarious. You're not a woman. You're a mom. Yeah. Oops, I crap my pants. I love toilet. We talked about that too. The love toilet for sure. (laughs) Did you see the one with the rock just uh, just earlier this year? What was what was the commercial for? I I can't remember. It was it was basically meth. He was taking some sort of product and he he goes for a prescription. I don't remember that. <laughs> oh, gosh. Put it on your list. Yeah. We're watching it when this but is over. The, yeah. Schiller Visions, Hidden Camera Commercials. It, it, like I said, I did, simple idea, but Chris Farley's over-the-top delivery made it hilarious and unforgettable. Yeah. But what about Schmitz? We didn't even talk about Schmitz. <laughs> Save awesome. it for the sequel. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, we, can't, we can't give out a real mentions, Kent. Ah. All right. Next category is the best sketch to movie transition. We Same better, answer. We better agree on this one. Yeah. 
It's Pat. It's Pat. What? No. <laughs> it's Wayne's, Coneheads. Wayne's World. It's yeah, it's Wayne's, Wayne's World. World. So 1992, Wayne's World. Now, made, I, made for $20 million. It made $183 million. Yeah. Ooh. This did quite well at the box office. And this transcends the Saturday Night Live sketch. This stands on its own. It does. You don't have to have, you don't have, had to have seen the sketch to get the movie, and that's why I like it. Mm-hmm. Also, I don't, like, honestly, I think, I think I saw the movie before I saw the sketches. I'm not sure. But I remember watching. You might have it. seen one or two. They didn't appear a ton, actually. They didn't on the sketches. Yeah, and, and it's also top five list, and it's always Claudia Schiffer. Swing, you know that yeah. was the joke. And this is Mike Myers and Dana Carvey in their element. This is this was Mike Myers' film debut. His first movie ever was Wayne's World, and apparently he was a bit of a, a baby on. The we set. talked about this on the Does It Hold Up yeah. when we accidentally said that. So I married an axe murder held up, which it doesn't. It does. Uh, so the studio wanted to use uh, Guns and Roses instead of Bohemian Rhapsody, right? And so Mike Myers just threw a fit and said, "I'm going to quit." And well, so they used Bohemian Rhapsody, and he he and the director Penelope Spheris got in fights all the time. In fact, he blocked her from directing the sequel. Wow. He's yeah. Happy with her. Well, actually, this this uh, movie was filmed uh, shortly after, or no, it was released shortly after Freddie Mercury's death. Freddie Mercury from Queen. I think it's one oh, yeah. of the reasons Michael Myers fought for Bohemian Rhapsody. And its use in this film kind of gave Queen a resurgence and made uh, Bohemian Rhapsody rise to number two on the charts. Well, that's cool. Years after, decades after, a decade after its release. Also, fun fact, Garth's dream woman, uh, Donna Dixon, she's been Dan Aykroyd's wife since 1983. Really? Yeah. Way to go, Dan Aykroyd. Yeah, no joke. Huh. Um, this is also Wayne's World, a Saturday Night Live sketch turned movie, was the number eight highest grossing film of 1992, the Jeez. year Aladdin came out. It's in the top 10 highest grossing films, and it's a Saturday Night Live sketch turned film. Yeah. It's just a great movie. It is, and it still holds up. I mean, yeah. obviously, it's dated. Obviously, it's dated. Sure. Yeah, we could, we could do that episode. But it brought so many of those uh, catchphrases into common language. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know how many people used not because of Wayne's World. Yeah. But probably that's what a lot of people used it for. I still say, game on. Game on. Game on. <laughs> Car. <laughs> There's actually a lot of quotes from there. I don't yeah. even own a gun, let alone many guns to necessitate an <laughs> entire rack. rack. There we're we just, go. We're explaining the Wayne's World go. quoting yeah. show when we, when we do a live read of Wayne's World. All right. So from the other spectrum, what's the worst sketch that turned into Three, a movie? Three, two, one. It's Pat. I didn't choose it. What? No. How could you not choose it's Pat? I don't think yeah, I saw it. There could be worse ones. All right. So Our I chose it's Pat. It was made for about $10 million. They try not to say, but $10 million made $60,000. I didn't know they made that into 60. a movie. Well, because they pulled it. One week. Didn't they pull it after one week? One week. So, these, so give the premise of it's Pat. Synopsis is the comedic misadventures of a person of indeterminate gender. Mm-hmm. Well, so Julia so, Sweeney yeah, is Julia funny. Sweeney. She like, is. She's a fun, and I, I like the character. It's Pat. The sketch really SNL. worked, but it was one of those things where I think she was in a contract. She hated this movie so much. Everyone hated this movie. Dana Carvey was supposed to be in it because yeah. he was generally in the sketches with her, and he declined. He said, "There's no way I can be in a movie like that." Somehow he was able to. But he's fine being a turtle man. But basically, Ugh. there is yeah. Oh man, <laughs> let's not go into Master of Disguise. No, there is this guy who's like really conniving and he wants to know if Pat is a man or woman and he will stop at nothing to find out. And it's such an awkward movie and really terrible. So Julia Sweeney hated it. She appeared one more time as Pat on the show and she said she just kind of faked it. She's like, I, I didn't even have the heart for it anymore because she then hated the character. Well, yeah, yeah. it kind of trashed her career. Yeah. All right. So it's Pat. Joel. Uh, oh, I, but fun fact. So sorry, real quick. Okay. 
directed by Adam Bernstein. This is his first not movie. not fun at all. And it's his only movie. He is, but then <laughs> he went on to direct like great TV shows like Better Call Saul, Ed, Scrubs, Breaking Bad, Fargo. So amazing TV, huh. like multiple episodes of each. But just not a movie guy. He learned from this this one to not right, do man. this kind of movie. Hmm. I chose something a little more recent. I chose MacGruber as the worst sketch oh, to movie transition. Oh, so bad. That was one of my least yeah, favorite I movies. That. I don't remember when I watched it, but I remember that that was on my list of least favorite movies. We did it here on Bacon Cell, I'm pretty sure. So that one came out in May 21st, 2010, but the uh, the character first appeared on the show in January of 2007. The movie had a budget of $10 million, and it made 9.3. Okay, so just short. Yes, but the whole thing is the sketch is... It's the same premise every time. MacGruber, who's kind of a parody of MacGyver, mm-hmm. is in a room and there's a bomb. And he's trying to get the bomb to not go off, but he keeps getting distracted by something else. And eventually the bomb goes off. That's the sketch. It's about one to two minutes long every time. Right. And they decided to make a movie about that. I was just, I was, I remember when they said they're going to make a movie. I'm like, eh. Who was it that was MacGruber? It's Will Forte. Oh, okay. Yeah. And he's funny. Will yeah. Forte's hilarious. But this, this movie, in fact, I'll, I'll just read my review here. MacGruber isn't funny. It's not humorous at all. I think the filmmakers got comedy confused with vulgarity. Shock humor is a lazy style of comedy in the first place, and it's even less effective when it's constantly thrown at you. The SNL skit this movie is based on isn't that good in the first place, but this movie is even worse. I wish I wouldn't have wasted my time on it. Okay. They were trying so hard to be funny, and they just kind of threw everything at the screen. And in mm-hmm. fact, there was one point where they were worried about an NC-17 rating because of the humor they were throwing out there. Jeez. So you're saying for the crassness, for the that makes it worse than It's Pat, I'm, I'm which saying, is unwatchable. I'm saying that, like I said, they confuse comedy with, with vulgarity, where they're like, we're just going to shock the people into laughter instead of actually trying to make good comedy. Mm-hmm. The worst part is, though, is that Will Forte in March of 2019 said... We're trying to see if someone will let us make it as a TV series. We have a really fun idea. We actually went out and pitched it a couple weeks ago. No, you were in Last Man on Earth. Yeah. Don't do that. No. We're in past tense. Yeah. 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 Which was funny for a while. For a while. Season one was pretty funny. All right, next category is the favorite weekend update anchor. So I went with someone that... Uh, it wasn't the first weekend anchor, anchor that I saw, but it was the longest running one I saw because I had to go with my teenage years. Yeah. And it was from 1994 to 1997. It's Norm MacDonald. Norm MacDonald. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Kevin Nealon is the first guy I saw. And I, oh, Dude, no. he's good. Him. Yeah, I yeah, he's a, a Norm MacDonald impersonation, Kent. Oh, I can't. I'm not even going to try. Come on. It just has to be nasally, right? Okay. How about this? <clears throat> he's a funny dude, though. Uh, down and out, OJ Simpson. No, that's that was good. That was yeah, 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 yeah. You're doing like right. OJ in the room. Okay, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> down and out, OJ Simpson is, has decided to go back to doing what he does best: killing people. <laughs> that's the joke that got Norm Macdonald fired. Yeah. So what? NB, an NBC yeah. executive, they'd done OJ Simpson jokes for years at that point, but he did. He kept he kept beating him up. And he kept talking about how he's a murderer yeah. and how he got away with it. Mm-hmm. And so finally, NBC executive Don Olmeyer, who was friends with O.J. Simpson, yes. talked to Lauren Michaels and said, hey, get rid of him now. So mid-season, they cut him from a Weekend Update and the show altogether, yep. replaced him with Colin Quinn, who is the worst Weekend Update guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was absolutely I'll terrible. I'll take a look at a list. But, but he, th- there are so many jokes I loved here because like the, the note to self was kind of something that I kind of adopted from right. that point on. And just just like his delivery, 
he was so, so snarky yeah. that it worked for me. I think Kevin Nealon was more of a straight man, and I believed him as a news guy. Right. But then... It's you know, like, well, you see, when you see a Norm MacDonald in the air, you're like, yeah. who let this guy have his own show? Yeah. <laughs> but like the kind of jokes you see in Weekend Update in the 90s, it's like this. And in music news, number one on the college charts this summer was Better Than Ezra. And at number two, Ezra. <laughs> like that's a 90s joke for you They're very dated but norm mcdonald that's where he belonged because he wasn't really a sketch guy did you ever watch norm mcdonald when they had him come back and host after they fired him no his cold open was i'll never forget this because i couldn't believe that like, it was such a ballsy thing to do he came back in and he goes hey yeah you know uh i used to, you guys might know this i used to be on the show uh turns out i had a little disagreement with management turns out i thought i was funny and they didn't <laughs> and uh but now i'm back yeah, to host yeah, the show yeah yeah and yeah. Now, now i'm back to host the show he's like now give me one of two things one i've gotten funnier or two the show's gotten worse <laughs> now i don't think a person really gets funnier so i can only <laughs> assume that the show has gotten worse and, and i was like wow man that's a shtick yeah. and it works really yeah, well yeah. i like it yeah all right joel what's yours uh, I went with the OG of uh, Weekend Update. I did Chevy Chase, 1975. Was he the original one? He was the creator of Weekend Update. That was his idea that him and the, uh, another writer, Herb Sargent, came up with. So he was only, Chevy Chase was only on Saturday Night Live for one season. And apparently it was a very, very rough season. I'm sure. He seems like a really easy guy to work with. I'm Chevy Chase, mm. you're not. Yeah, well, that's exactly, that's right. That catchphrase mm-hmm. of I'm Chevy Chase and you're not. And then he had this repeated joke where it was like, uh, Generalissimo Francisco Franco is dead. And it's one of those things, a joke has been lost now. People don't use say it anymore. But people were referencing that joke because the whole thing was like this uh, guy in Spain was dying and the news kept updating whether he was dead or not. And so that was the running gag. And then after he died, he kept updating saying he's still dead. And so people would use that. And like the news uh, mentioned that fairly recently. I think there was some article about someone who died and they said is still dead. But huh. the, things like that. So uh, he had these little shticks where he would like, he'd always be talking to someone on the phone and then realize he was on the air. And then he would say, he was the one who came up with uh, good night and have a pleasant tomorrow. That was his kind of bit at the end. But he's the one who kind of set the tone uh, for this weekend update. And everyone else has kind of been trying to follow that sense, I feel. His, Chevy Chase's dry sense of humor lends itself very well to this news format, I feel. Yeah. And I really enjoy that. And then he also did the shtick of... Uh, the hard of hearing where he would be reading oh, the news yeah. and then Garrett Morris would appear in the corner and just yell the lo- news louder. So they'd be like, and now we're going to have the news for the hard of hearing. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Our top story tonight. Our top story tonight. And then that would be the shtick. But yeah. So I went with Chevy Chase. Okay. Yeah. it's a good choice. Although Norm McDonald forever. I was always, I was also for a big Norm McDonald forever. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's on yeah. your bumper sticker, isn't it? <laughs> it is. It's actually a tattoo on my Norm McDonald. Don't worry about and it. Robin. <laughs> All right, next category is the classic SNL MVP. Now, classic SNL we're defining as like 75 to 85, the first 10 years. years. Okay. Who do you have? I have Gilda Radner. And I've talked about her before on the show when I talked about the documentary that recently came out about her. She was a cast member from 1975 to 1980, and she's one of the first, I think she was the first person that Lorne Michaels hired when he was starting to form the cast of Saturday Night Live. Um, And then her last episode was on May 24th, 1980. And she left kind of when Lorne Michaels and everyone kind of went out in that era and yeah. went and do her own thing. But she was one of those uh, comedians that you just loved everything they did. Everything she did, she would just commit to, and she was funny. Her characters included Barbara Wawa, which yeah. was a parody of Barbara Walters, uh, Roseanne Rosanna Dana, who was this kind of rough around the edges uh, correspondent, 
uh, Emily Latella, which is the hard of hearing old lady they'd bring on for the news. And she talked about violence on television, how there needed to be, how people are complaining about there's too much violence on television, television, but I don't think there's enough violence on television. <laughs> and someone would be like, it's violence. She's like, Oh, never mind. And then Lisa Lupner, she was one of the nerds that I thought was hilarious. Gilda Radner is one of those presences that I felt SNL suffered the most when they lost. It's true. Because she was absolutely hilarious and absolutely mesmerizing. Full dedication to the character. She, oh, she's so funny. Like, if you've ever never seen any of Gilda Radner's sketches, you need to look them up. A lot of those guys, they just played themselves or yeah. heightened versions of themselves. But Gilda Radner was all in. She was all about different characters and yeah. trying new things. And yeah, sadly passed away. Yeah. Uh, but like I said, there's a documentary that recently came out about her. And I don't know. I just think I just think she's an amazing woman who had an amazing comedic talent. Honestly. And she's one of the few who resisted doing cocaine. Really? As I mentioned in the show okay. a while back. Well, Is there, there like go. a Wikipedia list of who has <laughs> and who has not? Actually, yes. Right here. <laughs> So I'm glad you chose her because I went with Dan Aykroyd. And so I I feel the same. I think Gilda Radner is the MVP. But Dan Aykroyd, I feel, is also kind of underrated at this point. He was. I actually had him as my underrated initially because I felt like he was the backbone of SNL. He was. Well, let everyone else shine. Yeah. So like, I mean, Bill Murray was there, Gilda Radner, like all these classics. But Dan Aykroyd was, he just seems like the most improv ready. Yeah. Always ready to make someone laugh. And his characters, like, there's obviously Elwood Blues from the Blues Brothers, Beldar Conehead, Erwin Mainway, who the name you won't really know, but he is the, the pitch guy. He played a lot of pitch guys. He did Bassomatic. The Bassomatic. The, yeah, that was a great one. And stuff like that. Yeah. And also, obviously, he did the weekend update with Jane Curtin, and they were a great, great Listener, player. if you have not seen the Bassomatic, go watch that. Bass-O-Matic Google that hilarious. right now. Dan Aykroyd, Bassomatic. Yeah. And in the impressions he did, like, obviously, they do presidents on this show and other politicians. So he did Richard Nixon and Jimmy Carter. He also played Julia Child, which is pretty hilarious. Just cut the dickens out of my finger. Yeah. And uh, Rod Serling as well. But he left in 1979. And yeah, drugs overtook the cast. He, it was called the Great SNL Exodus at that time. Yeah. But yeah, he is great. And obviously, look at what he did. And the thing that surprised me most is the way he spells his name. Because it's Dan Aykroyd. It's A-Y-K-R-O-Y-D. It's not Dan Aykroyd. It's Dan Aykroyd. Well, who are you to judge pronunciations? Yeah. That's a tier three Can't name right there. <laughs> Can't do new. Aykroyd is, for Aykroyd sure. Aykroyd is definitely a tier yeah, three name. Yeah, that's a tier three name. But he is... Way. For me, the classic SNL MVP. I agree with that. I kind of thought Eddie Murphy was going to come out of one of you two. Almost. Yeah. Eddie Murphy was one of those that I, I would have given him MVP because he saved the show. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. But he really, he really was in Mr. Robinson's neighborhood. So funny. Yeah. Yeah. We're getting into other stuff. Yeah. Okay. All right. Next category is the sketch that caught you completely off guard. Joel, I think you chose the same one as I did. Oh, crap. There's so many. Farewell, Mr. Bunting. Dang it. We did. I thought for sure that if I picked one from recent finger boot, please finger boop. I thought if we picked <laughs> if we picked one from I thought if I picked a recent one that it wouldn't get it wouldn't you wouldn't pick it. Let me explain this scene for you. <laughs> it's Dead Poet Society. Yes. So the principal, played by Bobby Moynihan, comes oh, gosh, in. Yeah. He comes in to tell the prep students that Mr. Bunting <laughs> will no longer be teaching. You can tell they're downhearted, so they're, they're just speechless. And he's like, well, "Where are we guys in the book?" And they're like, "We don't know. We didn't really follow a lesson plan." And he's like, "Well, let's just start from the beginning. Like, there's nothing played for laughs at this no. point." I actually timed it. it. I, I, I looked at the clock. It is so sincere. How, how first, many minutes? The first joke is it's a three minute sketch. The first joke is a minute 12 in and it's just a little joke. They're like we made hats out of our books and people are like, ha ha. And then it goes back to serious. So then halfway through the sketch, we have Mr. Bunting played by Fred Armisen walking in. He walks in awkwardly, looks at the class and he realizes he has to get the rest of his things. And he looks at the principal and he's hurry up. You know, and the students look at him. And they're really sad. It's so sincere. Like it feels like they're actually acting. Yeah. 
So he grabs his box and, he, box and he's walking I like how out. we're spoiling this one. Yeah, we just... Spoiler for Farewell Mr. Bunting from 2016. <laughs> so he gets to the exit. Go watch it. He's Pause the show the and just door. go watch it. Yeah, do some elapsed time here. And then all of a sudden, just like Dead Poet Society, ex- except they don't say, oh, Captain, my Captain. What do you they see say? One. It's like my, my poet. It says, I sing my song for all to hear. That's what it is. And stand on their desk. And one by one. <laughs> and you look at you look at Fred Armisen in this scene. And he's like, <gasps> he's getting touched. <gasps> because by... it's the last thing he'll ever see a student say. Yeah. And everyone, one by one, I sing my song for all to hear. And then the last one to do so. Pete Davidson. Pete Davidson. And he's in the middle of the class. And you see this. You should have seen it coming. He stands <laughs> on his don't. desk. <laughs> and there's a ceiling fan. I sing my, my song for all. To... <laughs> and his head gets lopped off <laughs> in a serious sketch and it, it happens at two minutes and 30 seconds it in lands into fred armison's arms and blood is squirting everywhere and people are screaming <laughs> it's just chaos it's and they bloody chaos they play hot potato with the head it finally goes outside the lawnmower gets it and so blood squirts all over the window it is horrific listener this is a great one to show people and not give them any warning which i have done a Make couple sure they of have times. a strong stomach though yeah <laughs> Children but, are the best for this, honestly. They'll never see that coming. And then he's like, you guys got my email, right? I'm, yeah. I'm just going to go. He's like, I'm going to go. You got my email, right? <laughs> oh, man. Dang it. I hate that we picked the right one because there's so many sketches that catch you off guard. Yeah. But that but one is the best. That was, And it was so recent, too. Yeah. But yeah. Farewell, Mr. Bunting. Yeah, that was great. Go give it a look. Even though we spoiled it, it's quite funny. Yep. And All violent. Right. Don't, don't yes. watch it, kids. Yeah, be careful. Children. All right. Next category is the sketch that didn't age well. What was funny in its time, but it just has not aged. Well, I kind of, I didn't do this for me. I did this kind of for the world. Like this is a sketch that would not fly today. Sketches, I should say. This is a character. It's Jim Belushi as Samurai Futaba. So Jim Belushi back in the night. John Belushi. John Belushi. Sorry. I know. I keep I know. saying Jim. Jim Belushi was actually part of the cast as well. But yes. John Belushi was one of the There was greats. a time when they had a lot of siblings like Brian Doyle Murray yeah. and like uh, Jim Belushi. But anyway, John Belushi, excuse me, as Samurai Futaba. So John Belushi, this is like, this is the first season kind of stuff. He plays a samurai who this guy comes to, Chevy Chase comes in to uh, get a hotel room and he's dressed like a samurai. Like he has like the, cl- the traditional clothing on. He has his hair up in the bun and then he has a sword. And all he does is speak gibberish Japanese and then gesture with the sword. That's the joke. Yeah. And then Richard Pryor comes in and he's dressed up as samurai too. But then it became this reoccurring character where he was like working in a deli or at a laundromat or as a mechanic. And like every time it's the same shtick every time. Well, he'll speak in gibberish Japanese and doing kind of impersonation of a samurai. And the people will act like they understand what he's saying. And I, I watched a couple of these sketches and they were actually pretty funny. You found them funny? I did. Like, I didn't find them offensive. Mm. I was just like, oh, it's the 70s. Yeah, that's yeah. kind of what I yeah. thought too. Well, yeah. my thought was, I was like, wow, I can't believe, like I watched the first one and I went, I can't believe this got like additional sketches. Yeah. And apparently it's because like uh, uh, one, of the, one of the guests, Buck Henry, he insisted on having another sketch to be in on his show. And they're like, what are we going to do? And we're like, oh, we'll just have uh, John Belushi do the samurai guy again. And so they did that, and it turned out so well that every time Buck Henry was on, they'd do a Samurai Guy sketch. Okay. So this, I'm not saying that I didn't like it. I'm just saying it. people today would probably be offended at it and call it cultural appropriation. And is, is it wrong I don't really like the humor of John Belushi? No, I mean, it different was yeah, style. He was so big, and that's why it was fun to let's, watch. Let's you like Chris bring. Farley? No, but I mean, big and loud. He was just... Chris Farley? It's Chris Farley. Yeah, yeah, it's Chris Farley. But I think Chris Farley, there was like a finesse to it somehow. But both had full dedication. Maybe uh-huh. it's because I watched Chris Farley growing up. Right. And that was my brand no, of humor. And, but I'm not or because Chris Farley was funnier. 
I think so. Or maybe just funny. Yeah. No, I just think that Chris Farley was the John Belushi of the 90s. Yeah. Is kind of what I think. And it's that time for that era. You have that type of character. The larger than life, mm-hmm. angry guy. Yeah. And uh, I think that, you know, I, I like John Belushi. I'm not saying that everything he does is gold, but I'm saying he actually definitely had some uh, parts that I liked. One of my favorite things, this isn't a category or anything. My favorite things is when they let him do a cold open. And the whole cold open was him teasing the censors and the producers like, you let me you let me do a cold open, so I may say something kind of crazy, and that's what you're worried about, right? And then you go back to normal, and he'd like build up again, and the whole time you could know they're just sweating and just like hovering well, over pretty the good. cut button. Yeah, because he's the rebel of the group. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So the one that didn't age well for me, it it I didn't go for like I see SNL as a time capsule. There are things that are offensive, maybe seen as a racist or whatnot. And that was kind of the time they were in. It's hard to watch with 2019 eyes anything that came out before because they wouldn't do that kind of sketch anymore. But the thing that doesn't age well are any of the cold opens at all. Any any political sketch is a week later is dead in the water. Okay, wait. Cold opens or political sketches? It's mostly political sketches are mostly the cold opens. Really? Yeah. It's generally like, let's look at the Democratic debate with all 20 people. And then it's a joke, but it's only funny for like two weeks when these people are still relevant. <laughs> I remember being in college and it would be, they'd show reruns, I think on VH1 and Comedy Central. And I'd be like, oh yeah, it's just from three or four years ago. And you'd watch it and you'd be like, oh, politics back then? Like, yeah. I don't care well, at all. Because it's the joke of the week. Like yeah. whatever happened that week is the thing they're Wait, talking about. Wait, you're telling about. me that Gerald Ford jokes don't last? <laughs> Gerald Ford was Gerald eaten Ford. by wolves today. <laughs> <laughs> Gerald all right, that was, that was still funny. That's actually. about Gerald Ford. It's not Gerald Ford. <laughs> But yeah, it's it, a great skit. I mean, and there are things, there are characters which we still know, like Kate McKinnon playing Hillary Clinton or Sarah Palin playing Sarah, or, sorry, yeah, <laughs> <That's about laughs> Sarah right. Palin playing Sarah Palin. She was that good, that Tina Fey and yeah. Sarah Palin. But guess what? In five years, this won't be relevant anymore. Yeah, it'll be like one of those things. That Even now, it's like, it's, eh, it's eh. the kitsch. Like you're like Tina Fey's back and Sarah Palin going to say the same thing again. Yeah, and so the, the politics of the show don't work, and I know they have to do it to keep it current. But I feel like Weekend Update does it better. For me, rewatchability is not opens, as good for the political Not stuff. at all. Yeah. So they don't age well. That's a good insight. Okay, so the next category is going to be the most catchy song. So many options here, Kent. The Hanukkah song. Oh, hey. First performed on Weekend Update oh, yeah. on December 3rd, 1994. Put on your yarmulke. It's, it's time, time to celebrate, celebrate Hanukkah. Hanukkah. Man, that crap was O.J. Simpson. Not, Not a, a Jew. Jew. <laughs> yeah. But guess who is? Hall of Famer Rod Carew. He converted. Yeah, this song, as soon as you saw it, it felt magical. I don't know why, but he was right. There are no Jewish Christmas songs or Jewish <laughs> holiday songs that are really uh, did out you say there. there's no Jewish Christmas well, songs? Well, that's a joke. That, exactly. Hashtag he's true saying, fact. He's saying like Deck the Halls or Jingle Bell Rock, right? Right, right? Because they're just general holiday songs. But he wanted a song for everyone celebrating Hanukkah yeah. and to give him a little bit of pride. And so this one became part of his stand-up act. It actually has four versions. Yeah, he up, keeps updating it to get more newer uh, celebrities on there. Yeah. Which, you know, it's a little played out. Yeah. But still, the song, you'll hear it every Christmas at this point. And you probably won't hate it. It's funny. Yeah. It is yeah. funny. So now your references like Shia LaBeouf, Carrie Fisher, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Jake Gyllenhaal, When's Paul the last Abdul. update? It was probably five or six years ago. Oh, geez. I didn't know he was Because he's still doing stand-up it. acts. Well, but so. that's the thing. is, like, If he was still doing the stand-up act and singing about O.J. Simpson, people would be like, whoa, update your material, dude. Yeah. Totally, because it's very 90s at that point, but then he's updated since then. Huh. I'm but, glad he's updating something. <laughs> oh, come on. Your Netflix queue, that's what he's updating. <laughs> but yeah, Adam Sandler, he killed it on a lot of Weekend Update segments, but this one was one of his best moments. I agree. 
Yeah. I agree. Good choice. And as much as I would like to pick Space Pants as my pick. Which I just barely saw recently because of you. Yeah, because it's it's one of those weird random sketches that uh, Peter Dinklage did recently with Gwen Stefani on a very recent show. But I couldn't remember the tune except for just yelling, Space Pants! So I decided to go with Adam Sandler as well and Sloppy Joe, Sloppy, Sloppy, sloppy Joe, <laughs> Lunch Lady Land. So I, I had a hard time finding information about this sketch, to be honest. As far as I can tell, it aired in January of 1994. I thought that one was just on his album, but actually. But Sandler had it on his album in 1993. So it was like it was on his album, and then he decided, I'm going to do this. And I think... He wanted to make it popular. I remember seeing... Album a, promotion, basically. I think I remember seeing like a behind the scenes on the 25th anniversary or something like that, or one of those anniversary shows where they were talking about how they had a you know the show ready, and they come in and be like, oh, Sandler has a new song. Let him perform it. And they'd cut sketches just so he could do this. Oh, I'd be songs. so mad. I would be too. Yeah. But this, we sing this song, the Lunch Lady Land song. Every time we have Sloppy Joes, we turn it on and we'll all start singing it. My, <laughs> yeah. Me and my kids. And, and Chris Farley is the lunch lady. It's hilarious. Yeah, it's amazing. But it's just, it's the tune of that Sloppy Joe, Slop, Sloppy Joe. It's like the Nana Nanas at the end of Hey Jude, where they just, they repeat it endlessly at the Navy end. Navy beans, Navy beans. And then all of a sudden it's just stuck in your head for eternity. Yeah. So there he is mine. Lunch Way to go, Adam land. Sandler. Yeah, he, he took that one away, didn't he? He did. All right, next category then is going to be the best digital short. And I'm going to give it to Adam Sandler Jr. <laughs> there we go. Uh, otherwise known as Andy Samberg. Well, he was the one that came up with the concept. I mean, yes. they've always done commercials and whatnot, but they, they started these in 2005. And he and his band, The Lonely Island, were generally the ones that wrote and directed these. Yeah, so he had his, he had his group, Lonely Island. Are we going to pick the same one? No. Okay. Uh, he had his band, The Lonely Island, and they were doing this sketch comedy. And they, they were trying for three months. Andy, Sam, Andy Samberg had been on this. It was his first season of Saturday Night Live. Kind of a forgotten face. Yeah. Well, he was kind of the background character, yeah. this little guy. But then him and his buddies were trying to get a sketch on air for three months, and nothing was taking it. And then finally, they recorded Lazy Sunday. And they With Chris Parnell. Remember that one? No. The Chronic What Culls of Narnia. Past the Chronic What Culls of Narnia. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. So it's these two guys who want to go see the Chronicles of Narnia, <laughs> which is a ridiculous thing to rap about. And they're rapping about their day, just like how they like to sneak food into the movie theater. Uh, Mr. Pip and Red Vines equals crazy delicious. And as they're buying... That's so Andy Samberg. It is. And as they're buying stuff uh, for the for the theater, they're like, you can, tell, you can call us Aaron Burr from the way we're dropping Hamilton's. <laughs> I just think it's clever writing. Yeah, it is really great. But this one actually had a pretty big impact because, first of all, it launched Andy Samberg as kind of a star. Like, mm-hmm. he actually got applause, I think, the next time he came out on stage at Saturday Night Live. And the other cast was like, whoa, this yeah. guy's got something. And also, this is the video that many attribute to launching YouTube. So YouTube was this fledgling video site in 2005. And this video, Lazy Sunday, was digital short, was on there, like all over the place. Wow. And so people were sharing it and going to it. Because before that, you had like E-Bombs World and, and uh, Newgrounds and all yeah. these other places you could find videos. This is pre-Google owning YouTube, right? Exactly. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And so this is, what, this is what kind of put YouTube on the map was Lazy Sunday by Andy Samberg and Chris Parnell. I'm surprised you didn't choose Jack Sparrow. Oh, Although it's a really a, foul song. It is a foul with song. With a great most hook. Most Lonely Island songs are pretty foul. Yeah. I threw it on the ground. Is that one of... That's not, is that a song, really? Yeah, through, yeah, I threw it on the ground. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm like, not a part like, of this system. But like, like a boss and on a boat, like I could sing those, but only part of those. Yeah. But Lazy there's, Sunday? There's one we're not going to mention on the show, but no, it's probably the most couple, popular there's one. There's a couple we're not going to mention on the show. So I'm going with a very recent one. This one is actually was in 2017. What? And it's all about papyrus. 
Oh, <laughs> he chose papyrus. So save it for our font show. Can remember we were going to do that? <laughs> Granted, yeah, we should, and I will put the font show in papyrus. So this one has Ryan Gosling. Oh yeah, and he's obsessed. That was funny. He's obsessed Figure with Avatar, <laughs> and so he's talking about like papyrus. He's on his computer complaining about it, and he says it's. So he's talking about James Cameron and the people who came up with the font for the movie. Yeah, in this movie that is the high at the time the highest money earner ever, and he's like. It's like he just highlighted Avatar and it shows it on a computer. Click the drop down menu and he randomly selected Papyrus, like a thoughtless child just wandering by a garden, yanking leaves along the way. <laughs> and it's driving him crazy and crazier. He has a therapist and they're like, What about the sequels? There's going to be sequels. He goes by the guy who created the font for the movie and he's just staring at him. He drives by <laughs> every day and gets an accident, has a nervous breakdown. And he's he's so into this. Papyrus. Very, he's yelling Papyrus and he's right. And one year later, James Cameron unveiled the new logo for Avatar 2, 3, and 4. In? And it's changed. Is it? It's changed. It's he papyrus. took away the papyrus because it made such a good point about papyrus that he couldn't use it anymore. <laughs> and the creator of the papyrus font actually said, I'd like to take the time to apologize to my brother and sister graphic designers out there. I tried to make a well-designed font and clearly it was used for the wrong purposes. So it's funny. papyrus. Papyrus. See, that's why SNL is going to be relevant, I think, is because they can call people out on crap like that. Well, just things like that. They're so random, you know? and it's a serious it's so sketch. So random, yeah, yeah, exactly. But exactly. that's what makes it funny. But it's memorable. Yeah, yeah, that's where that's where they find their niche. Okay, next category. Uh, tw- we're on number twelve, by the way, of sixteen. Most overquoted sketch. Are we going to pick the same one? Of course we are. I'm thirty-five years old. I'm divorced, and I live in a van down by the river. Oh, Kent, what are you picking? Um, <laughs> 38 years old. <laughs> Truthfully, Matt Foley, motivational speaker. Yes. This is a top five sketch this on SNL. This is up there. This, this is one where yeah. you, get, you get an amazing performance by Chris Farley. You get characters breaking. They start laughing, which yeah. is also funny. And then you get those catchphrases. And so what it is, everyone's seen this, and I... Please go see it. But it's the behavior. He's adjusting his belt. It's the way he holds his hands. It's like he's going to have a heart attack. So much His energy. blood pressure is just going to just go sky high. And so so you glad have, he's much more calmer than John Belushi. Yeah. But no, it just, <laughs> I guess it's because I was the age where physical comedy really got me. Right. Where he could fall into a table and it was hilarious. Yeah. Uh, pick up David Spade, who was like his little brother. He's the Chris Kattan, basically. I love that part so much. <laughs> so we had Phil Hartman, Julia, Julia Sweeney, David Spade, and Christine Applegate. They were prepped for this scene, and they were basically told, hey, you're going to have a conversation about pot, about two parents getting mad at two kids for finding this, and then just let Chris Farley do his thing because he didn't show up to rehearsals oh. on purpose. Ah, uh, David really? Spade said, yeah, he purposely said, I won't be showing up. It's going to be a surprise. And so when he came out, for half of the sketch, they were literally laughing at everything he was doing because it was so new. He was so into the role. So were they improving their lines then? Well, the only lines they had... Because he's like, I want to be a writer, and she's like... I want to live in a van down by yeah, the river. Yeah, so when she said that, I want uh-huh. to live in a van by the, down by the river, He and he's like, you're going to have a lot of time living in a van down by the river when you're living in a van down by the river. And then they're just busting up. And and obviously, like there's other lines like, you're not going to amount to jack squat. These are yep. things I'd say to my friends. Yep. Well, la de freaking da. We had, I remember an yeah. assembly at school where one of the guys was doing an impersonation of this. Yeah. I, mean, we, I thought it was hilarious. And so it was, was this the only Matt Foley sketch or is this just the most well-known? I don't know because I didn't uh, pick this one. I don't know. But 
oh my gosh, this makes this cements him as a legend in SNL history. And it, it is one of those sketches that is unforgettable and so simple in concept. But like you said, you just let Chris Farley go and it's hilarious. Yeah. And actually, that one of the creators of that sketch was Bob Odenkirk from Better Call Saul. Oh, awesome. All. Yeah. I don't know. I'm looking actually looking up right now, Ken, to see if Matt Foley was in anything else uh, except for that one sketch. But I think it might have just been that one. That's crazy. Because usually SNL takes nope. advantage. Nope. Never mind. He was in a he was in a couple of them. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I do kind of remember something about like, him. Probably about yelling in living rooms or so. It was probably Phil They're Hartman the as the dad, and then there's new kids every time. Yeah. Yeah. But I didn't pick that, Kent. Uh, in fact, I'm not feeling very well. I got a fever, <laughs> and the only prescription is more cowbell. <laughs> so I'm talking about more cowbell, which aired on April 8th, 2000. It does get a lot of love, doesn't it? it it's much. one of those. Well, and the reason I, I picked this one, one, because I was worried you were going to pick Van Down by the River. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of went a little different here. Uh, but two, because I heard this quote multiple times before I ever saw the sketch. Yeah. If you recall, I was not in America in April 8th of 2000. And so like, I came back and people are saying, more cowbell. And I was like, what the heck are you talking about? <laughs> and this sketch... Don't actually, be selfish, Gene. <laughs> this, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this sketch uh, actually was submitted seven times before it actually wrote made it? it to air. Do we know? Uh, Seth Meyers, I believe. Okay. Was, he was the head writer. Um, I don't, and I think Will Ferrell actually wrote this one. But uh, or part of it. But this was one where it was so weird in concept. I don't think it could work. And if you remember, if he submitted seven times, that means seven different hosts. And it wasn't until Christopher Walken got involved. Legendary host. It became something different. And this was one of those sketches. Once again, has the same type of thing where it's a simple premise, amazing uh, catchphrases. And then the characters start breaking because it's just hilarious. (laughs) So good. In fact, Will Ferrell actually ended up showing up to the the actual filming in a tighter shirt than he had at all the rehearsals. Just so it'd show more of his belly when he was flinging around. And he's so hairy. Oh my gosh. Oh, he's awfully hairy. (laughs) (laughs) But Christopher Christopher Walken actually said, uh, I hear about it everywhere I go. It's been years and all anybody brings up is cowbell. I guess you never know what's going to (laughs) click. Well done. Well done. Good job, Jake. That was a great quote. Thank you. But yeah, more cowbell. Probably overquoted, but still funny. It's great. Okay, so next category is going to be the best breaking scene. So when the actors break. Speaking of breaking, uh, and I was you mean Jimmy Fallon. Is this the Jimmy Fallon Award <laughs> right here? Which if you haven't seen, if you haven't seen, and that's can when I you pick break. one? Oh, it might be one of yours. Uh, if you have, if we don't bring it up, I do want you to. Yeah, bring it up. Um, okay, but uh, there's actually a song uh, Andy Samberg and Adam Sandler did. That's when you break mm-hmm. uh, for the 40th anniversary. I think it was. And they show all these clips of all the times the actors have broken. And they have this whole segment where they just pick on Jimmy Fallon and Horatio Sands the whole time. <laughs> yeah. It's great. Uh, but I picked this one just because I saw it recently and I could not stop laughing. I chose Debbie Downer at Disney World. That was my okay. choice. Yeah. It's a great one. Yep. So Debbie Downer is this character played by Rachel Dratch. And she's one of those people. And you probably have met one of these people where you're talking about something. And you're like, oh, yeah, we had a great time yesterday at Lagoon. And they're like, you know, someone died on Puff. And it's like, what? Why would you bring that up? And that's what the character is. She just keeps on, no matter what the conversation was, will bring stuff in. And her first appearance uh, in May 1st, 2004, with, with guest host Lindsay Lohan, was a group of friends at Disney World. And no matter what they bring up, she starts talking about how like the, the, the mascots are probably you know suffering from heat stroke or how... Uh, feline AIDS is the number one killer it of zooms of in. Yeah. And, mm. and then every time she yeah, says something it. down, it zooms in on her face and goes, whap, 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 whap. 
Yeah, the sound effects are annoying. I'm like, oh man, how is this going to play? But it just keeps going and going and they keep breaking and it's just... Well, the part that gets her though is at one point she's talking about some government cover-up and she says, the government is so sensitive. Then she stops and realizes she said sensitive and she goes, I mean secretive. And so she meant to say secretive, but she says the government is so sensitive and Jimmy Fallon starts laughing and then she starts laughing and right after that, it zooms in on her face and she hasn't recovered yet. So she starts laughing yeah, yeah. and there's a part when Horatio Sands is literally wiping his tears away with a Disney waffle <laughs> and then Lindsay Lohan says her last line and bolts out because she's laughing. The whole group she is She has a sense of humor? Lindsay yeah, Lohan? Back then she did. Maybe. Oh, okay. I don't know. So, yeah. She was probably pretending. I chose Debbie Downer from Disney World. Yeah, so a good, good choice. Sorry, Kim. I chose a recent one, and I can't give you the transcript of what happened in this one because it's so dirty, but it's Close Encounter. Oh. So we have two agents <laughs> played Kate by McKinnon. Yeah, Bobby Moynihan and Eddie Brandt. Yeah, They're interviewing this. Cecily Strong. Uh, Ryan Gosling appeared again on my list, yep. of course. And Kate McKinnon. And this <laughs> role for Kate McKinnon is like, it is the role. They tried it again when Ryan Gosling came Didn't back work. to the host. Didn't work. But this one was magical because they're all playing it straight and they're talking about an alien abduction and you have Cicely Strong and Ryan Gosling being like, it was magical. They wrapped me in a warm blanket of love and I saw lights and everything. And you have Kate McKinnon sitting there smoking. You're wearing these mom jeans outstretched and she's like, what? (laughs) And she's like, uh, she talks about how they treated her and it's very, I can't even say it on the show because it's not very funny. They were much more rough She's like, her. I don't think I was dealing with the top brass. (laughs) And you see within two minutes, everyone is dying laughing and she doesn't start laughing till the very end. I think Ryan Gosling breaks almost immediately. Yeah. And he's like, I got to wipe my tears on my shirt. And Bryant and Bobby Moynihan start getting into it. I think Cecily Strong is the only one who stayed strong honestly no she laughed but she's like she's the one who's like the whole time trying to keep the sketch going like the whole time yeah. it makes me laugh because she's trying so hard but everything she said where they'd say something amazing and she'd be like yeah the thing that happened with me felt super off the books <laughs> <laughs> there's one point where these aliens were doing something and there she goes i don't think this is appropriate in fact there was like one gray alien by the door kind of doing this and he kept looking like in the room <laughs> he's like i think he was the lookout <laughs> And Jake, have you seen this one? No, no, I haven't. You ha- we'll watch it after this. It sounds kind of horrible. I'm destroying the joke. Yeah, I'm destroying the joke right and here. And the joke. Yeah. But yeah, don't, kids, don't watch this one. But yeah, but uh, it's, it it's gets me. Big. It is so, so funny. Not family friendly. Not at all. All right, then next category is going to be the modern SNL MVP. So this was the past 10 years, uh, 2009, 2019. Yes. And it goes to Kristen Wiig. I chose Kristen Wiig as well. Of course. Wow. This was, this was one where I actually I debated whether I can choose Kristen Wiig because she's not current member. She actually left in 2012. Yeah, from 2005 to 2012. But she was right in there. I was like, you know, right at the end, she was amazing. Like every time Kristen Wiig was in a sketch, I was entertained. There's something about her. I mean, like, yeah, she's w- got a charisma to her. Yeah, yeah, natural. And she was the best performer, I think, on the show, probably even now. Yeah. Like the dedication she had to these roles, whether she, it was classic films, more stars. than Pete Davidson. Mm. <laughs> well, here's the thing. Yeah, in, in my mind, <laughs> just drug you McSunken eyes. You mean? <laughs> I really felt a parallel here between uh, Gilda Radner in the early years and Kristen Wiig in Same. the later years because she was one of those who she could disappear into the role yes. and create a character, and it was hilarious and memorable. Like you think of uh, the Target Lady or yeah. Gilly. Or Judy Grimes. Just kidding. Just kidding. Not Judy Grimes. But it gets Judy Grimes. Just kidding. <laughs> the like Californians. The Californians. Yeah, Karina. Californians. And then Dunice. I love Dunice. Oh, 
from the Lawrence Welk show. Jacob, have you sisters. seen that one? No, I don't think so. So it's these it's these four yes, sisters. Yes, you have. You had. Don't, don't have ruin to. it. Don't ruin it. We have to. We already ruined so many. No. Yes. This one he's got to see for no, himself. I'm going to talk about it. <laughs> dang it. Uh, no, there's no so, time. But it's on the Lawrence I, Welk show. I don't know if I want you to ruin it. But yeah, don't ruin it. Don't ruin it. I'm not ruining it all. I'm just saying there's four. There's four sisters, and they all have beautiful singing voices. And then Kristen Wiig is very different from the other sisters. And Lawrence Welk is trying to keep it like keep it a normal show. She says things and does things that just are like like all the sisters are like trying to be charming and then she says do, something do 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 do, do. so okay. yeah, we're trying like i do need to see this watch okay. the lawrence welk show Dunice is hilarious yeah but she uh, according to new york magazine she appeared in more sketches on season in season 34 than any other cast member appearing in 124 sketches and averaging 5.8 appearances per episode Holy. well deserved yeah too. total so, class a lot of work yeah, no, I think I thought she's hilarious. So yeah, Kristen Wiig. Glad we agree on that one. Yeah, of course we do. Oh, there's so many other MVPs I'd love to give it to. Especially if we had to pick current cast, we'll save it for another show. Yep, save we'll it. Save, save it. Show. Yep, yep. Potentially, okay. if if the listener likes this one. All right. So uh, two left. Next to last one is the greatest celebrity host. And by greatest, are we saying favorite here? Favorite. We could say host. we could say favorite, or we could just say greatest, which mine is, and that's Steve Martin. Steve Martin. You picked it too. Yeah. He first hosted in 1976. It was his goal to be the ultimate SNL host. He hasn't really hosted since 2009, but he's appeared on shows since then. He does guest appearances, yeah. Yeah. He's hosted 15 times. Beaten by Alec Baldwin. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say Alec Baldwin. He deserves the host here because I truly, before, I mean, I knew, but before this research, I thought he was a regular cast member. That's a common misconception. Okay. That's why I think I picked him as the greatest guest host, celebrity host, because he fits in so well with the cast. He really does. It's his. Humor. he's a cast member i mean people think of like the king tut sketch yeah. which could have been done by any comedian on the show but it was done by the guest host the wild and crazy guys yeah, the wild and crazy guys. also theodric uh theodric of york medieval barber yeah where he's like he wants to give everyone bloodletting basically it's that uh, trope on doctors know oh, everything yeah 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 and he's like offering leeches and bloodletting and things like that like it probably has just demons in her stomach yeah but uh and then yeah wild and crazy guys so many different sketches and I love, he did one recently called Don't Buy Stuff, hmm. where it's like, if you don't have, it's a new financial program called, if you don't have the money, don't buy it. <laughs> and it's like him and I think it's Amy Poehler actually. Okay. Um, but they're talking, they're talking to the cameraman and they're trying to grasp this concept of not buying things you don't have money for. His comedy now is a little bit. Hmm. Well, he's an old man. Yeah. Yeah. It's a dated comedy. Yeah. But I still think he is one of the greatest celebrity hosts, not just because of time on there, just because of his reputation with Saturday Night Live. Yeah. Good choice. Totally. All right, for the final category, what, gentlemen, was the best era of Saturday Night Live? I'll go first on this one. It's the one that I started on, and I feel like most people would feel this way. Is this nostalgia? 2010? 2010. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's the 90s era, and specifically 1990 to 1995. So the, Phil, I, the Phil Hartman era. Are you going to give it to Phil Hartman? No, no, no. It's, well, yes. I just feel like that's kind of the It is the known glue. as the goofball era. Because it's a bunch of frat bros who were doing this and having the time of their lives. They were young superstars at, the, at this time. Yeah. And obviously, they, I hold this. This is special to me because if I watched this kind of comedy now, I'd be like, wow, that's really juvenile. But when I was 10, 11, 12, up until 16, this was the kind of show that my mom didn't want me watching. <laughs> and so it made me want to watch it more. And I knew it was inappropriate. And guess what? I didn't get 70% of the jokes I'm telling when it was mom. naughty. Don't do it. Because I told her I wouldn't watch it anymore. <laughs> but I, it was one of those shows where you feel kind of rebellious for watching. Mm-hmm. 
But the sketches that came out here, like obviously we talked Wayne's World, but the Gap Girls, Church Lady, uh, Hans and Franz, Da Bears, Coffee Talk, Ladies Man, Opera Man, yeah. Matt Foley's we talked about, Chopin Broccoli, Chippendale's Audition, Chop Deep Thoughts, Toonces the Driving Cat. <laughs> I love that you brought up Toonces. I love Toonces. I had a, a VHS of just Toonces the Driving Cat with Abraham Lincoln, Time Traveler. Oh, wow. It's amazing. This was a talented cast. And for me, it's not only... Yeah, the cast was amazing. Like, we've mentioned them so much, but Mike Myers. But we haven't mentioned, like, Rob Schneider or Jan Hooks, who's amazing. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, Tim Meadows, who we haven't really mentioned. But the, oh, yeah, Tim Meadows. For, I think for our ages, and maybe for a lot of people listening, it's the hosts you knew that were popular in the 90s, like Tom Hanks and, you know, Sylvester Stallone. Charlton Heston had a great episode. Bill Paxton, Bill Pullman, Drew Barrymore, all those people. But the musical acts mm-hmm. were all musical acts that we love. These alternative acts that we just devoured, like, you know, Nirvana and Pearl Jam and the rest. Mm-hmm. And so based on who I was as a teen, this was my show. And so for me, it's the best era. Okay. Joel? And I, that thing is, I love that era, Kent. And He's going to go with classic. I am. Ha-ha. I'm going to go with the kind of, I'm going to go with the, 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 ground, the, the ground setters. What am I even saying? The, the foundation setters. The okay. ones who started it all. I'm going with the original-ish cast. Yeah. And I say original-ish because it wasn't until second season that Bill Murray came along. And he feels like an original cast member to me. The original cast was Lorraine Newman, John Belushi, Jane Curtin, Gilda Radner, Dan Aykroyd, Garrett, Mur- Garrett Morris, and Chevy Chase. And I feel like those names have become synonymous with comedy. Every single yeah. one of them has a reputation in comedy. And they have sketches like... I don't recognize all those names, by the way. Really? Mm-hmm. That's crazy. You know Jane Curtin, though, right? Uh, just like, oh, yeah, I've heard that name, but that's really? it. Yeah. She's the, uh, she was in 30, Third Rock from the Sun. Did you watch that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, she was in that. Okay. Uh, but anyway, no. So this one, the original cast, like the original sketches, you get things like at the Olympic Cafe with cheeseburger, cheeseburger, cheeseburger. Yeah. Like that whole thing. Landshark, Bastomatic. So uh, funny. Julia Child, Coneheads, Wild and Crazy Guys, The Samurai, Roseanne, Rosanna Dana. Superhero Party. Uh, Blue, superhero Party. That's yeah. a fun one. Blues Brothers, Mr. Bill, uh, Killer Bees. Like all these sketches that are just absolutely ridiculous. And they were they were, had no idea what they were going to do mm-hmm. when they started this show. And yet some of those sketches and some of those characters have still stood up today and built the foundation that everyone else is trying to work on. And I feel like this original cast, I have to pay my respects to it. Even though a lot of my choices tonight may have been kind of in the newer eras. Sure. I got to pay attention to the original cast in those first five well, there, years. There wouldn't especially. be a show without the original cast. Yeah. It's just I go back and watch them and I'm like, oh, yeah, I could see that. That's funny in the 70s and 80s. But much like the 90s one, it, that was funny in the 90s. <laughs> yeah. Very topical yeah, at the time. That. And I, that's the thing is I'm sure there are people out there who are like saying the exact same thing as you were like, yeah, it was these, it was the guests that we loved. It was the bands yeah. that we loved because they grew up in, you know, the late 70s, early 80s. Mm-hmm. And I feel like just, I don't know, there's so much, there's so many, there's so many good things to take away from Saturday Night Live. In my research, I was finding, cause you know, it's hit and miss. And sometimes I think it's more missed than hit. But as I was doing my research, I was like, man, there's so many funny sketches out there from all different eras. Like even in the dark ages, as you mentioned, Jake, mm-hmm. there was, there was Eddie Murphy and he yeah. was holding up the yeah. show essentially. And so, yeah, hit and miss. This, the ratings are down, but there's definitely some gems. It makes you want it to continue. It does. Because there are there are sketches that are great. I feel like you've great. warmed up toward the show the more I we have. talked about With it. With my research and talking yeah. about it, I you, have warmed up. You picked up. a lot more recent ones than I thought you were going to. I thought yeah. you were primarily going to be in that uh, Phil Hartman era. And that's where my heart is. Hartman is. Yes, indeed. But yeah. no, nice. I, I would like it to continue. I just don't know how because 
the people that are on the show are not becoming the celebrities that the classic cast no. or the hey, 90s Pete cast. Pete Davidson or, is going to be on the Suicide Squad, I hear. So. Well, those, here, here's the thing is that originally... Uh, no, no comment, Jake. <laughs> the, the contracts were a lot more loose back in the day. Uh, and so Lauren was really, Lauren Michaels was really frustrated because cast members were leaving yeah. to go be famous elsewhere. Like uh, Bill Murray was going off and, and Chevy Chase was going off and they were, John Belushi was going off and they're all doing their own thing. And so he locked down those contracts after a while because he was tired of losing actors. And that's why I think a lot of them are stuck in there for a while and then end up don't, maybe don't go anywhere. Okay. But I don't know. Maybe it's the caliber of a comedian. Maybe it's the contracts. Maybe it's just the way that it's. Also really funny, the the goofball era, most of them were fired from the show. Yeah. So many people in your era, they left the show or, yeah. you know, with drugs and everything and just decided to take off. But like 95, Lauren Michaels fired pretty much everybody. He's, he's Adam Sandler times. got fired. Yeah. yeah. Adam yeah. Sandler and Chris Farley. Yeah. The same show. They got they got that crazy. But I've actually, in my research, I was surprised by how many times this show has been on the chopping block and how close it's been to cancellation throughout the years. Because there's been a number of times they're like, we're not going to do it. And someone's like, give it one more chance. And then it's able to, to limp along for a little bit longer. Yeah. I don't know how much longer it can go on, though, to be honest. I do find it interesting, too, that it's such a huge success here in the U.S. that there are actually Saturday Night Lives in multiple other countries as really? well. Like wow. uh, the Middle East, North Africa, Germany, Spain, South Korea, Philippines, Japan, Canada, Finland, France, Italy, Poland. Trinidad and Tobago. Only two, Obviously. Only yeah. two however, are still running. Oh. Uh, that said, you know, I looked at the thing that said dash to present, and it was France and the Arab League. Those are the only two places they still have. Go Arab League, huh? Yeah, seriously. Yeah. (laughs) So I can't wait for our Mad TV show because that's going to be a great show. No. I actually kind of like Mad TV. Or in Living Color show. We could do that too. Oh, please, please. (laughs) We totally could. Yeah. But like, you know, it's going to be a combination if it's going to be anything. If you enjoyed this show, uh, let us know. And we do have a whole other set of categories and hundreds and hundreds and thousands of more sketches to pick from. Yes. So let us know. Oh, and guys, before we go, we need to thank our patrons. We love you, patrons. First, from the I Am The Listener category, we would like to thank Terry Finley. Hey, Terry. A More Civilized Podcast, Stephen Ross, Adrian Gray, Greg Paschal, and Josher. Hi, Josher. From the Bacon Council, we would like to thank Nicole D. Hale, Chris Anderson, Ryan Farron, Mats Mudro, and Reverse Listener. Yeah. But if you want to find me, you can find me at 76Joel on Twitter, or you can find me at QuickWits. They perform every Saturday night at the Midville Performing Arts Center. For more details, go to qwcomedy.com or go to the QuickWits Facebook page. If you want to find me on Twitter or Instagram, it's at Kenny3DD. If you want to read my movie reviews, it's showtimeshowdown.com. You can find me on Twitter at Jacob A. Rogers and Bacon Sale on Twitter at Bacon Sale and on Instagram. However, do not forget, as we mentioned in the beginning of this episode, you can go on, join as a patron or upgrade as a patron, and you'll be entered to win something cool. And also, you'll have the opportunity to request any food or movie review by myself. Torture Jake. Jacob. And whatever it is. And uh, yeah, you can torture me or share something really cool. I don't care. Um, uh, these guys just want you to torture me and maybe that's what you want to do. And that's totally fine. <laughs> but if you just, if you're just feeling nice or something, that's fine too. But whatever you do, definitely <laughs> sign up on I Patreon. I don't really care, but please, please do something nice. <laughs> but yes. And, uh, the patron is totally worth it. Go in, uh, patron.com slash bacon sale. Look at all the perks you will get. We offer lots of content. There's lots of cool stuff there. And we are very, very grateful for our patrons. Yes, yes we, we are. are. So until next time, bye-bye. It's so easy that it's almost too easy and makes it hard. And then she said, I've got two skis. What is wrong with your diet squirt? (laughs) Diet squirts? It ran out. No. You have the diet squirts? 
No, what are the diet squirts? You're just, no. you're just recording me. <laughs> I'm not saying anything. Uh, pumpkin spice spit bucket. Was my band band yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but she dead. She did. She not dead. She live. She long time dead. And uh, we want Kent to start wearing shirts again. He's That's like working at Jimmy John's. Yeah. Like, oh, look at that cute kid. He can't do this job. He, he already kind of had a meth face. And so <laughs> oh, drugs probably didn't no. help. <laughs> do not taunt Happy Fun Ball. <laughs> I just cut the dickens out of my finger. Gasly. Gasly, we're all gonna die. I sing my song for all to hear. Yeah, be careful, children. <laughs> Gerald Ford was Gerald eaten by Ford. wolves today. <laughs> Face pants! I will find you. No matter what happens. Of Captain Jack Sparrow. Do you want to do a sound check this time? Yeah, I do want to do a sound check. Because otherwise, what you gonna put at the end if you don't do a sound check, Kent? That. <laughs>